A Time to Die. It must have been early in the morning when I woke up. Very early. More like a late extension of the night. This was an unknown time zone for me, and I felt as if I had fallen into an unknown universe. But before I go any further, I guess I had better introduce myself. My name's Wanarby Bond. I come from a cohabitation between my father, a Wanarby for the last four generations, and my mother, a Gunadu, a family with good intentions. Having worked heavily on my social skills, such as blowing smoke rings, during my school years, I have the distinction of graduating with the lowest marks in the class. This had left me with high monetary aspirations, but few career opportunities, other than to be some form of government official. Now there is a wide variety of possibilities here, and I had managed to fail every one of them with even more distinctions, falling down the ladder of success wrong by wrong. So I had finally taken on the job of a P.E., private eye, or pest exterminator, if you prefer. However, there seemed to be few pests smaller than me, and my natural instinct for survival resulted in my turning down most job offers. Not only that, but there was stiff competition in the role of private eyes, especially in my neighborhood. My gran, Wanarby De Niro, picked up most of the jobs, but she had been missing for almost a week, so I had taken over one of her reject jobs for the day. On this occasion, I was a courier, employed to deliver one package, pick up another, and deliver the new parcel to the addressee, no questions asked. I liked these kind of jobs, because they demanded no answers, which allowed me to concentrate more fully on the vacuities that really interested me, such as how to improve my score of smoke rings. The job was timely and had suited me just fine, as there had been a big misunderstanding between me, my welfare check, the rent being due, and a Schwarzenegger look-alike who had some crazy notion I should pay my bar tab. He was also a big dreamer, who suggested that if I got a proper job, it would pay me money, with which I could pay my bills. An interesting idea, and one that I had thought had some merit, until this particular morning, which had seen me off the couch before the drunks had been swept off the pavement. Even so, I had dressed and taken the bus to a given destination, until the driver discovered I had not paid a fare, nor had any means to do so. He had suggested I leave the vehicle, and when I suggested I didn't want to, he got a little anxious. Things got a little tense, and I decided I did want to leave the bus after all. Apparently we were now in what was commonly known as the Outer Burbs, also known as the Country, which is different from a country and certainly from the city, which was my preferred habitat. So here I was in the middle of nowhere, with a lot of unfamiliar shapes around me, 
including a big yellow ball which was glaring down at me against a bright blue background, making my eyes hurt. And there were strange noises coming from strange contorted-shaped poles topped with green stuff. All around me there were many other green shapes growing in the ground, and as I sniffed, I got a distinct whiff of something my granny had stuffed turkeys with, but there was not a takeaway in sight. Creepy. A stout body on spindly legs with a set of ironware on top came towards me with a fluff ball on a lead. Time, she said matter-of-factly. I looked at my Mickey Mouse watch and noted that he was looking at Minnie's right boob. A quarter to three, I said. No, dear. I'm trying to tell you the bush you were sniffing is called thyme. It's used for stuffing things, like vegetables. Yeah, I thought it was familiar, I agreed, but didn't like to tell her that Gran usually had something dead in front of her when she used it. Are you lost, dear? Perhaps I can help you. I've lived here all my life. I stared at her, bewildered. She was still talking to me and didn't even have a gun in her hand. I nodded. Where the hell am I? There were no alleyways to dive into, nothing to run away from, or gangs to fight with. I felt vulnerable and exposed. Scary. You're in Herb Hill, just two miles from the city centre. Can't you just breathe in the fresh air? She demonstrated this unknown art to me, and the area between her neck and waist seemed to double in size. Sorry, ma'am, I can't smell a thing, I said, unless it's smoking. She looked disappointed. Tat, tat, you young ones today. Well... If you can't sniff the air, try the weed, she said, snatching up a big bunch of thyme and popping it into my lapel. Now this was a little more encouraging. I was good at inhaling and took a deep breath, hoping something good would happen, but was disappointed. Mind you, I had to admit it was given off an aroma that reminded me of all the goodies of Christmas, which began to send me down the memory track, much the same as if I was on a trip. But I knew I needed to get back to my familiar rat hole fast, so shaking off the time warp, I said, Can you direct me to the town hall? Even adding, Please? Granny would have been proud of me. Iron Lady's face seemed to crack into two pieces, and I recoiled in horror. Then I realized she was smiling. Of course I can, dear. It's down the road, then a left at the pedestrian crossing, and a right at the church. These were unfamiliar words to me. I nodded and she smiled again. Who are you looking for? Uh, Alderman Alan Arsol? I said, reading from the note I had taken down over the phone that morning. Iron Lady smiled and wagged her finger at me. No, dear. It's Alderman Ashmole. But a lot of people do make that mistake. 
I followed a direction, making a few guesses as to what was the pedestrian crossing and what was the church, and was soon outside the city hall. My job was to pick up a parcel from Alderman Allen Ashmole and deliver it to Roberto at Build It Fast and Cheap, otherwise known as Bob the Builder. Simple. So, having finally arrived at the town hall, I gave my name to the receptionist, and a few minutes later I was knocking on the alderman's door. I stepped into the room trying to avoid the glare of sunlight, which I felt sure was bad for my pallid complexion. "'I'm the new courier,' I said. "'I believe I'm picking up a package for delivery?' He pumped my hand up and down like a water hydrant with a waterfall delusion. "'Come in, Mr. Wannabe,' he gushed. "'I've been expecting you.' Looking at me a little closer, he said, "'Why, you're a woman!' He was a clever man, no denying that. He was wearing his IQ around his waist with pride. Then, grabbing a package from the desk, he handed it to me along with a fistful of dollar bills. This package is to go directly to Big Shot Bob. Just tell him I'm disappointed that he did such a bad job on our little housing project, so I'm paying him just what I think it's worth. He said. Then, in a single bound, he pushed me out of the door. I suggest as soon as you've delivered it to BS, you go straight out and get a new hairdo or makeover. He said with a kindly grin. A young woman like you needs her beauty sleep. I got the impression he was trying to warn me of something, but didn't know what, although I certainly didn't intend to hang around once I got paid. I had taken a liking to food many years before, and thought it would be good to try the habit once more. I was already salivating for the fried-with-that meal I intended to consume ASAP. Back on the road, I saw a big truck heading in what I hoped was my direction and thumbed a ride. It lumbered to a halt and the big hairy guy wearing dirty matching everythings beckoned me towards him. So where are you going? He asked. Anywhere in the city, I replied. Huh, that's where I'm going too. I like a bit of company. Hop in. Which was our entire conversation for the next two hours. I was dozing when he prodded me on the shoulder and said, Do you want the north or south side? Because I'm going west. Looking up, I saw a few signs I recognized, thanked him, and got out. It was a big mistake, as it turned out to be a different bar entirely. But at least I was on home ground, with smells I recognized. A few blocks later, and I was on home soil. I had arranged to meet up with Bob the Builder, a.k.a. Big Shot Bob, in one of my favorite bars. It's called Everywhere, and has a franchise all over town. In fact, as I approached it, I saw my scooter, affectionately known as My T-Motor, where I had parked it before my bender the night before. It was quiet in the bar. Even the drunks hadn't woken up yet. A blonde had most of her sitting on a bar stool with the leftover bits dangling into space. She was wearing a wisp of a dress that was full of good ideas. So long as you liked your women jumbo's eyes. She smiled at me in yesterday's makeup, but I simply nodded and passed her by. I had better offers when pretending to be a choir boy. I was just about to leave when the builder came in. 
Got the passage? He asked, and we did a swap, package for package. I didn't know what was inside his, but hoped mine was full of exchangeables, preferably in fives and tens. I gave him the message along with the parcel. Arsol says he's given you what the job was worth, I said. Yeah, well, I'm returning the favor, was Robert's reply. Make sure he gets it pronto. Keen to begin the age-old exercise of exchanging money for healthy food to make up for the unhealthy liquor I planned to start with, I checked with Mickey again and noted he was now pointing to his crotch. Even though the mouse was always ten minutes early, I decided it was time to go. I had another favorite bar on the other side of town with people in it who knew how to party. I was just clear of the door when... Kaboom! I looked behind to see smoke coming out of the building. What was left of it? I had a horrible feeling that Big Shot Bob had been expecting something less explosive in his parcel. But just in case... I decided to dump his gift to Arsehole in the open window of his car, which was parked in the no-parking zone next to Mighty Motor. Making house calls was dangerous. You never knew when it would blow up in your face, I decided as me and Mighty made a hasty retreat. Just before another kaboom rendered the air. As I bumped along the road, I sniffed Iron Lady's time still in my lapel and silently thanked the late great Walt Disney for making Mickey such an industrious little mouse that he was always early. I needed to find a new favorite bar and my old-fashioned granny and had a good idea I'd find them both together. This story had a happy ending. It still had me in it. You have been listening to A Time to Die, a Bonabi Bond adventure written and produced by Brianda Cross with Julie Hoverson as Bonabi and Brianda Cross as everyone else. We hope you have enjoyed this little story and look forward to you listening again by going to fastfictionpodcasts.com or our Facebook page. Thank you.